Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day that you have called us here so that we might hear your word, wherein, Lord, you tell us that our sins are forgiven and that you love us. Lord, there are so many other voices we are listening to in this world, and sometimes those voices are our own. We pray this morning uh, that you would silence those voices so that we hear your Son, Jesus Christ, and we behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. What are you seeking? That is the question Jesus asks John's disciples as he sends them off to follow Jesus today. What are you seeking? And it's not a bad question for us to think about this morning. What are you seeking? What are you seeking to get out of life? What are you seeking, maybe even this morning, as you come here to church? What are you seeking? A number of years ago, MSNBC reported on a study that was done on college campuses. They went to two college campuses and interviewed a large number of students on those campuses, asking them, what is it are, that you are trying to get out of life? What are you seeking to get out of this life? What do you desire the most? And, and you would expect them to have uh, sort of stock answers. They would, you would expect them to say things like, uh, we're looking to get success, we're looking for uh, relationships, we're looking for money or power or something along these lines. But it turns out what these students were seeking more than anything out of life was compliments. They wanted to receive compliments, affirmation. They wanted approval. Now, why do we think that is? I suppose we could psychoanalyze this thing because it is always fun uh, to play the armchair psychologist. If you play an armchair psychologist, that typically means you're wrong in your description of things, and that's what I like to do in sermons. So that's what we're going to do here this morning. Why would that be taking place? Perhaps we could answer this cynically. It's because uh, they're very selfish, and they just want people to praise them all the time, and they grew up being praised all the time. Therefore, they're addicted to it now, and they just want more praise. That very well could be. It could be the opposite, that they received no praise whatsoever, and that no one ever said a kind word to them. And so they were just longing for someone to say something approving, a compliment. Perhaps we could theologize it here a little bit. Perhaps the situation here is that these students were seeking justification. They were looking for a voice on the outside that would come to them and tell them that they were okay. The problem is that too often these students were not directed to the God who told them that their sins were forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ, but rather they were directed back in on their hearts. And their hearts were telling them this, that they were pretty good, that they were right just the way they are, and now they need the world to agree with them. Now they need people to back them up. They need to make sure that this is true. We live, the reality is right now, I think we live in a world that is very narcissistic. We are very caught up in ourselves. And so very often we'll go around and, and we'll want people to compliment us because we want people not just to compliment us, but to praise us. I love myself and so should everyone else. 
I worship the ground I walk on, and so should everyone else. And if somebody comes along and tells me there's something wrong with me, if somebody comes along and tells me that my view on things in this world is wrong, or my feelings are wrong, or even the way I think about myself is wrong, well, that person, they don't belong in the church of me. They are a heretic, you see. And so we kick them out. Unless we think that this is just a problem on the college campuses, because we like to do that, don't we? We like to pick on the younger generation. Uh, The reality is, is that this is true for all of us because narcissism is the air we breathe in America. Uh, Forbes magazine did a similar study not too long ago uh, where they interviewed over 700 people asking them, what are the things you want to have in life? What are you seeking in life but you cannot seem to achieve? And this is what the people said. Happiness, these are the top eight answers. Happiness, money, freedom, peace, joy, balance, fulfillment, and confidence. Now, I want you to, I'm going to be clear on something here. Those aren't bad things. Receiving compliments, wanting to receive compliments, those aren't bad things. But what I want you to notice about all of these answers is that they're all very self-focused. They're all looking at the self. Not a single person said, I'm seeking to be more loving to my neighbors. I want to be kinder to the people I disagree with. I want to be more sacrificial towards my children. Nobody said anything like that. All the answers were internal and self-serving. This is the air we breathe in America. We are a very narcissistic uh, people (laughs) uh, because narcissism sells. Think about it. I think the one phrase that gets me to buy anything more than any other phrase is this phrase. Don't you think you deserve it? You know, I go to Amazon.com, and Amazon will say something like this. Get yourself a little something. You deserve it. And then it will list all the last, like, five things I looked at, and I'll look at it, and I'll go, I do deserve a little something. I am going to buy this $48 theology book. I deserve that. Yes, this little something. You know, this is what we do. We're so focused on ourselves. What are we seeking? We are seeking anything that serves me. We are a me-focused people. So when Jesus comes to us today and asks the question, what are you seeking? Our answers tend to sound a little bit more like a confession of sins. Because what we're seeking is not necessarily focused on what God calls us to do. It's not focused on what God calls us to be. And it's certainly not focused on whom it is God calls us to serve. Even think about this with church. I've seen a number of studies lately coming out, and these are, I think these are positive studies, but they're saying things like this, that people who go to church tend to be happier, uh, they tend to have longer lives, uh, they tend to feel more fulfilled and more content, and those things are probably true. And, and that's probably a good thing. The problem is, if that's the reason why you're coming to church, that's a problem because if you're coming to church to be more happy to feel more content to feel more fulfilled church is only serving the project of you or the project of me we're coming here to focus on what serving ourselves what do we do with all of this i can kind of hear you now well geez pastor what are we supposed to do here you're just are you just here today to make me feel bad about why i'm here today are you common are you here just to make me feel bad about my motives well yes i'm a pastor what do you think i'm supposed to do no that's not just it 
I'm not just here to do that, but I do want us to think about this a little bit today. Our motives, I think, are a mixed bag. Our motives are not nearly as pure as we like to think that they are. And I would imagine that we are here this morning, and uh, for each and every one of us, our motives for being here run the gamut of utterly narcissistic to completely faithful. And in, probably inside of all of us, it's a big mix of all of those things. Uh, but the reality is, our motives are not always pure because our motives come from our hearts, and our hearts actually tend to be idol factories. They tend to focus on ourselves and create idols to serve us. So what are we to do with all this? Well, today I think the answer to this problem of narcissism is to listen to the preaching of John the Baptist. John who comes along and points us to Jesus Christ, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And notice what he comes seeking. Notice what Jesus does today with people who come to him with the wrong motives. With people who come to him seeking the wrong thing. John had been preaching about this coming Messiah and he had this great following of disciples who were following after him and John turned them to follow Jesus and now the text today doesn't tell us exactly what their motives were for leaving John and following Jesus. However, as we go throughout the rest of the scriptures, what we find is that their motives become very clear. They're not following Jesus just because they want to be sacrificial and faithful with their lives. They're following Jesus because they're looking, they're seeking a Messiah who would come to serve their own national interests in establishing Jerusalem as the political power in the world. They're looking for a new David, a warlord king who would drive out their political enemies and oppressors and give them worldly peace, security, and power. They're seeking power. And we see this especially with Peter, Peter who was introduced to Jesus in our reading today. If you start to follow Peter throughout the Gospels, you see that he is seeking all the wrong things. He's always vying with the other disciples uh, to be number one in the group, always vying to be the chief. So that when Jesus comes along and says to them, I've come not to be first, but really to become last and to die on a cross for the salvation of the world, Peter's going to pull Jesus aside and he's going to say to them, he'd say to Jesus, oh no, 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 that's not what the Messiah comes to do. It's not God's will for you to go to the cross. But you see exactly, that was not, uh, but, that was, uh, but that was God's will. It just wasn't Peter's will. When God sent Jesus, he sent Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus came into this world seeking the cross. Listen again to John's sermon today. John who sees Jesus coming towards him and does something that is really hard for us to wrap our heads around. He sees Jesus coming toward him and he doesn't point people back to himself. He doesn't point people to themselves. He points them straight to Christ and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says, I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. John gives us Jesus today and tells us what Jesus has come to do. Tells us what Jesus has come to seek. Jesus has come to take away the sins of the world. So notice this then. 
when John hands his disciples over to Jesus, or Jesus over to his disciples, as it were, these disciples who were following Jesus with all these wrong, mixed motives and all these selfish desires, notice what Jesus does to them. He doesn't send them away until they figure it out. He doesn't turn them away until their motives or their thoughts or their uh, ideas or attitudes are pure and holy. No, what does Jesus do? He brings them into his life. And he makes them his own says to them what are you seeking and they say to him rabbi which means teacher where are you staying and he said to them come and you will see so they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day and we know that they don't just stay with him that day but they end up staying with him for the next three years and then preaching his name as witnesses for the rest of their lives but notice how Jesus doesn't turn them away because of their sins. No, he came to forgive their sins. These were the very people Jesus came seeking. Because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And here in our reading today, how wonderful it is, he actually found them. And he brought them and gathered them to himself. And how wonderful it is that he's done it again here this morning as he has once again sought and found you and me and gathered us to himself. We aren't necessarily seeking him for the right reasons. We aren't necessarily seeking the right thing at all. In fact, Romans goes so far as to say it this way, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, and no one seeks for God. Because we're all seeking uh, after our hearts for wrong self-serving things but jesus has come to take those things away because he's come to take away the sins of the world we're probably looking for narcissistic fulfillment and jesus comes to tell us that our hearts which we love so much are the center of our sin and that we need new ones so he comes to replace our hearts he comes to show us that we need to die to ourselves not worship ourselves that we don't need fulfillment or approval. But what you and I need is to be crucified with Christ and be raised to a new life. What we need is a God of grace. What we need is a baptism to undergo. What we need is forgiveness. And we're not looking for those things. We're not seeking those things. So Christ, the Lamb of God, comes to give those things to us and bring us to himself. So that God doesn't send Christ so that he can affirm our selfish existence, but rather to forgive it, to call us to repent of it, and to turn and follow him. So we might be thinking at this point, wait a minute, pastor, are you saying today, are you saying that God doesn't approve of me? Well, I'm saying he doesn't approve of you in the way you want him to, because he's better than that. But I'm telling you today, not that he approves of you, but that he loves you and that he forgives you and he loves you too much to approve of your self-worship so he is going to attack it until it dies and your self-focus will breathe its last breath and your dying eyes will finally behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who is the sacrifice for your sins and your fading ears can finally hear this word of promise. Dear sinner, you are forgiven for the sake of Christ, and because of him, the Father loves you. And then Christ gives you his Holy Spirit, 
breathes new life into your dying spirit, and you are born anew. So regardless of what you were seeking this morning, the good news is that Jesus Christ has now found you. So that you can finally hear the words of John the Baptist, and you can take your eyes off of yourself and off of your belly and hear what he has to say. Dear child of God, stop seeking fulfillment and approval and simply behold the Lamb of God who's taken away your sins, who forgives you, and who loves you. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we pray for you to forgive our selfishness. Forgive us, Lord, for we so often serve ourselves as opposed to others. We so often serve ourselves as opposed to you. But Father, you are a gracious God who has sought us out, lost sheep that we are, and gathered us into your fold. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would daily and richly forgive our sins, teach us to die to ourselves, so that we might daily rise to follow you. Have mercy on us for this, for Jesus, in this, for Jesus' sake. Amen. This time I invite you to please rise as we continue by confessing our faith in the words of the